Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. Two of the nightcap on a Friday night alongside Sean King. I am Tim Murray. Warriors and Grizzlies. Entertaining start to this one. 39-37 right now. 8.45 to go. Klay Thompson has already hit five threes, Sean. He has 17 points, but as soon as they went up nine, 7-0 run for Memphis. Two-point game right now out in the Bay Area. Shout out to Whoop That Trick. Yeah. Yeah, standing strong in the paint. JVT, player of the day in the NBA Take the Grizzlies and the points. See if we'll get a game seven. That would be on Monday night if, in fact, that would be phenomenal. can win uh, tonight. Uh, we do have Dallas and Calgary. See if we'll get another game seven in the NHL. Uh, right now, four on the docket. Three for Saturday, one on Sunday. And to talk more about him, friend of the program, it is Todd Furman, who is uh, loves his pucks maybe as much as Sean. I don't know. I mean, I, I go back and forth. I don't know who loves the pucks more. Well, I'll say this. I follow Todd on Twitter. He doesn't follow me. So I'm going <laughs> to concede to the guy with 150,000 followers. So, Well, you, you know what, Sean? I appreciate that. But you have a Super Bowl ring that I will never have a chance to win uh, unless they it decide to bring me on. It, unless you they bring me check? on as a janitor and equipment manager, I'm never going to have a shot to get that Super Bowl ring. I'll, I'll know I'll officially made it once I get uh, Todd to follow back. Man, that is. We'll see. What we can. We'll see. What we can do after the segment, gentlemen. We'll see. I'll. I'll have to talk to my social media team, and I let them make the executive That's, decision. So I want to start off with a hockey question too. Is it about following someone no, on social it, it's media? About, do, it's, does, do the Lightning not follow you, Sean? No, do you want to call them out Todd, too? It's about totals, because during the regular season, of course, the totals, even from a betting perspective, have gone. Uh, two years ago, all you would see was five and a half or five, and then if it was a really high, two high-scoring teams, it might get six. You very rarely see anything under six, but there's always been this perception that playoff hockey is different. Teams tighten up. The, the forechecking increases. The physicality goes up. The goalies are, are more locked in. What's happened in the playoffs? It seems like every game is flying over the total. A combination of factors I think we're seeing, Sean, that the games are being officiated the same way as they were during the regular season, that if the officials see a penalty, they're going to call it rather than swallowing their whistles like we've grown accustomed to, and you referred to in postseason hockey. You've also seen the game get a lot more wide open uh, throughout the course of the last couple of years, albeit not breaking scoring records that we're seeing right now. And then throw into the equation the fact that you have a number of backup goaltenders that are taking on prominent minutes and much of the chagrin of Pittsburgh Penguins fans, a third-string netminder that's contributed to the fact that we'll see another Game 7 on Sunday. So you throw all those things in a blender, that's part of the reason you've seen a lot more scoring. And with Florida punching their ticket to the next round, 
regardless of who they would draw in Tampa and Toronto comes out of that game seven tomorrow, I think you're going to see sevens and maybe even a potential for a seven and a half in a playoff series if wow. things start to get a little wide open early on. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I mean tonight already both games went over um, and Dallas and Calgary, which has kind of been the under series, uh, already three goals midway through the second period in that one. So we will uh, we will see. But uh, like you alluded to, we do have three game sevens tomorrow, Todd. One already for Sunday, maybe two, depending on how Dallas and Calgary plays out, as Dallas does have a lead right now midway through that second period. Uh, well, let's kind of go in chronological order. Uh, Boston, Carolina, right now Carolina, a slight home favorite, uh, a juiced six to the under in this Boston-Carolina game. So uh, break down this one for us. Uh, the first game, 135 Pacific, 435 Eastern tomorrow in North Carolina. Yeah, this is a series, guys, where the home team is dominated. And as a result, you've seen favorites go 6-0. and We can call game four a pick where Charlie McAvoy was scratched in COVID protocol right before puck drop, but Boston held serve there. You've also seen the over go 5-0-1. Oh, uh, much to my chagrin, I had under six in each of the last two games, so was not thrilled with those outcomes. But you look at the way things have unfolded here. Boston had questions coming into the series about who is going to be between the pipes. Linus Olmark started the first two games, and then they've switched to Jeremy Swayman, who stabilized things a bit. But more importantly for the Bruins, they got Hanfis Lindholm back in the fold, so their top defensive pairing should be all set and ready to go. He was their big acquisition at the trade deadline from the Ducks. And when you look at some of the numbers here, this series going to Game 7 is only fitting from an expected goal standpoint and a lot of the other advanced metrics. Things are about as even as they get. I think as the price continues to drift out, Boston going to be much more attractive as a road underdog. And this is a game where I think you'll see it very tight early on. So my initial inclination is to go under 1.5 in the first period at plus $1.15 or so. When I looked at this game, Todd, I just thought this was free money. I mean, because every home, as you mentioned, the home team's won every game, and they've covered the puck line. So I just blindly bet Carolina <laughs> puck line plus 175. I mean, that's how the series has played out. I think it's a dicey proposition because in all, for all intents and purposes, we know in the NBA we've seen unders as the order of the day when it comes to game seven. As far as the NHL, I actually think playing at home sometimes, even with a fan base as rabid as what the Kaniacs are going to bring into Raleigh tomorrow, I think if the game doesn't start the way the home team wants, you start to grip your stick a little bit tighter, and actually, it can actually work in the road team's favor. So it's all about weathering that initial storm, no pun intended here with this matchup, for Boston getting through the first 10 minutes, not taking stupid penalties, and trying to play the game five-on-five five, where they match up extremely well with Carolina. Talk once again to Todd Furman. Check the uh, podcast, Pe- uh, Bet the Board. Uh, they'll, be, uh, they'll be firing away once... Uh, the football season comes out, but I did see my feed have a, a bet the board in there recently, so I make sure to uh, follow uh, that. Let's get to the game that Sean has already made enemies. The only one the that matters. He went to t- he went on <laughs> TSN radio today. He's you know peacocking already that Tampa Bay's I won wasn't this peacocking. game. You know I I like people in Canada, Todd. Sean apparently just you know I actually said it was stone. a shame that this was not the Eastern Conference Finals. But we look at this game, Todd, tomorrow, and uh, the you know the notes that have been put out there: nine straight losses and closeout opportunities uh, for this Toronto Maple Leafs organization in the last ten years. Over under sitting at six and a half. Some juice to the over, but mostly kind of minus one ten both ways. And you got Toronto as a slight favorite. Can the Maple Leafs finally? exercise some demons or is this a spot where the two-time defending champs uh, get the best of the Maple Leafs? 
You know, this is the kind of game, guys, where we talk about things that will factor into our equations when we're looking to try and handicap. You know what a player's worth. You know what home field advantage or home ice advantage is worth. But how do you quantify what Tampa has been able to accomplish over the last two seasons versus the lifetime of futility that we've seen from Toronto when it comes to punching their ticket into the next round? Andre Vasilevsky has proven time and time again in an elimination-type scenario. That's where he plays his absolute best. And the scary part for the Leafs is we have not seen the best of Andre Vasilevsky all series. He's actually human up until Tampa needed him to be at his best abilities in that overtime period to even force game seven. I think this is one where Tampa has got to come out and play on their front foot, force Toronto out of their comfort zone. We know the Leafs have younger legs. There's not nearly as much wear and tear and they're going to be a step faster. But as this number continues to drift out in favor of Toronto, I can't argue with pedigree. I can't argue with the experience. And if you're going to give me a tandem of John Cooper behind the bench with Andre Vasilevsky between the pipes, I'm going to take him over Jack Campbell and Sheldon Keefe all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. The key for Tampa here is how they'll match up to try and slow down Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews because if those two disappear in this spot, like we saw in Game 7 last year against the Canadiens, we're talking about a Sunshine State showdown, which would be a tremendous series between Florida and Tampa in the second round. So talk me through this, Todd, because I can can already see the lightning being in what looks like the worst position possible in these playoffs up to zero. What has happened in these games where the Lightning have jumped out, had the lead, and then completely collapsed in like a two, three-minute period? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable uh, when you consider that Tampa, when they had a one-goal lead typically in the playoffs amidst these back-to-back Stanley Cups, would just lock things down and you knew the game was over. No greater illustration of that than the Eastern Conference Finals last year against the Islanders, a game they won one nothing. And when you watched it, you felt like Tampa had a four- or five-goal cushion in that particular spot. I think this Tampa team feels a little bit different, mainly because of what they're getting or not getting on the defensive side from their third line. That's been the key to success for them over the last couple of years. And while Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul were huge additions to try and bolster some of that depth, they don't bring that grit and tenacity that you got from a Blake Coleman and some of the other key contributors there. So I think Tampa's got to have the mindset that if they get the lead, just gain the red line, put the puck in deep, and force Toronto to go 200 feet. You can't take stupid penalties. Everything gets magnified here. And the real key is keeping that Toronto fan base that's waiting for disappointment from erupting and giving their home team a little bit of the energy they need to might finally get off over the finish line in a series, something that they haven't done, as Tim mentioned, for quite some time. Now we have to get to Edmonton, but before we get there, who wins uh, tomorrow, Toronto or Tampa? You know, from a number standpoint, I made the game a pick So if you're going to offer me a plus $1.13 that's available at Circa right now, hard for me to pass up the underdog because I see it truly as a coin flip. And while I know this is going to feel a bit foreign to folks that are new to betting hockey, if you make a game minus a buck ten both ways and you have the opportunity to take a plus 113, even if you lose that game in a one-time setting, those are bets that are going to pay off dividends in the long term. And I think Tampa finds a way by hook or by crook to get through Toronto and continue to prolong the misery for our friends north of the border. And that'll uh, make Sean very happy. We're talking once again to Todd Furman. Todd, we got about 40 seconds. A uh, quick breakdown of L.A. Edmonton right uh, for tomorrow night. Yeah, Toronto gets all the headlines, guys, for being disappointment, but Edmonton, no stranger to folding under pressure. This is a massive price tag, and while Edmonton has the star power up front, 
Uh, I think the Kings are extremely live here. Jonathan Quick, much more experienced in this spot than Mike Smith. But again, I think this game will start a little bit slow. L.A. going to be okay defending and would look to take that juicy price tag to go under one and a half goals in the first period. I think we're talking about goose eggs on the board after the first 20. Oh, can't wait to party with Todd tomorrow night. Hoping no goals uh, in some game sevens. <laughs> Todd, up, always Todd. a pleasure, man. Enjoy the weekend. Always a pleasure, boys. And, Sean, it's time to pull up the Twitter m- machine, my friend, so check your men. <laughs> my man. <laughs> uh, nothing like a little peer pressure on a Friday night. <laughs> This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. It is the Nightcap here on VSN alongside Super Bowl champ Sean King. I am Tim Murray, live from the Circus Sportsbook. Busy night. It is. It's a great crowd. I like what I see. Yeah. We have fun weekend. Three, three game sevens tomorrow on the ice. Look at that crowd. Good crowd for a Friday night in May. Golden State might be in trouble. That's I, what that, and that's why it's so I like agree, man. passive out there because I'm pretty sure the majority of people uh, bet Golden State. Well, and watching this game, you know, we don't have the sound up, and you know, we we're you know talking and, and trying to do our best to you know keep people entertained because that's our job, Sean. Right, but. Watching this game, it feels to me like the Grizzlies are just just a little extra something there. And now, one look, I mean, they still uh, still plenty of game to be played. I, I just and I know there's no job Morant. I would I wouldn't disagree with a money line play right now on Memphis. They're up five. It's on the road. I just I don't think. Chase Center is the same as Oracle, um, you know, as this is happening right now. And that's big, though. Stephen Adams, by the way, is walking off, off, limping off. That's that's, not good. So maybe I'll I'll hold. But I'll say this: here's by the way, my my in-game inclinations on this series have not been great. So maybe I'll just just hold (laughs) off. (laughs) Well, let me say this: Memphis won't die. They won't go away. No, they're pushing back. And it happens as you get older. When you get resistance, it's not as easy to overcome it. You know, there's a time when, I mean, just Golden State just run you out of the gym. Just always in motion. Everybody's knocking down shots. All the bounces are going their way. Like, Memphis is making this a real fight. So we're going to see, does the 2022 version of the Golden State Warriors, do they still have what it takes? Because to me, that's what's getting tested here. We know this dynasty that and now you can call the Warriors a dynasty. They've been really good. Yeah, during the for uh, the last seven. The aughts, yeah, they've definitely. been really good. Mm-hmm. We're gonna find out. Are we at the end of that dynasty? Because this little, this little young brother, step brother, he not he not quitting. Mm-mm. Well, I think here's a case in point when we were talking to Todd. Uh, good stuff from Todd Furman uh, again uh, on uh, on the game sevens. But Clay Thompson hits. I think it was his fifth three. They go mm-hmm. 39-30. Place is going nuts. He's you know whooping up the crowd. Right back down, they hit, the Grizzlies hit a three. They followed up. They were down 39 or 30 at that point, Sean, and they made it a quick 7-0 run. Then Steph Curry hits a three. And then shortly thereafter, the Grizzlies go on another 9-0 run 
uh, to take the lead. So, yeah, to your point, the Grizzlies, they're not scared of anything here in, in this game. And Dylan Brooks, man, you know, enemy number one there in Golden <laughs> State. But he is he's already got 18 points, Sean. He does. Five threes. And you hate to say he's that. He's already over his player prop. And you hate to say that an injury prepared them for this. But that stretch after the All-Star break where Ja was hurt and they went out and were successful, I think it was a record like 15-4 and four or something. It was something substantially positive. They now believe that they love Ja, they want him to be a part oh, of, of the course. team, but they don't feel like – Steph Curry just missed a free throw. They're any less of a basketball team without Ja, and they're playing like it. They're playing with a lot of confidence. I mean, they just won – they just beat the Warriors by 39 without Ja Morant, and they led by 55 in that game. And I, I think that's a – that's a really good point that you brought up, though, is, is that this Grizzlies team, of course they want their best player, their franchise, the face of their franchise, to be out there, but they know without them, they're okay. Yeah. They, they're capable. They've, they've won 20-plus games without them, and you just, you just look at this Warriors team, man. I don't know. It's just there's something off on this team. And, and I think what you're seeing in the NBA is that you can't cheat the process. All of these teams with the big name superstars that didn't play the majority of the season either are out of the playoffs or are really struggling. Think about it. No Kawhi most of the year for the Clippers. No Paul George. Whole year. He was hurt. Well, whole year. No, no. Paul oh. George missed a bunch of time. They're out. LeBron, Westbrook, AD missed almost the whole season. They didn't make it. Kevin Durant, Kyrie, the whole COVID injury, whatever. They're out. Like, the teams that are in the playoffs and are performing are teams that have been together playing together. Yeah, I think there's there's some, uh, you know, true to that for sure. Um, you know, the Suns were able to, uh, oh, my gosh. I mean, you just I'm just watching this Warriors team right now, Sean. It, it is ugly. I mean, that's a good— I think Memphis is making it ugly. They're competing. Yeah. Like, you know how you watch the Sixers. They're getting like they, if 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 Embiid would have missed that layup for the Sixers, they didn't get they're not running back on defense. They're not sprinting back. By the way, I last night I was watching Sports Center uh-huh. when I got home, and Tim Legler was breaking <laughs> down uh, one of the turnovers that James Harden had to. Uh, I think it was Bam Adebayo. He made first off, he made just a terrible read, and then he throws it when Harden threw the pass, uh-huh. and he's like, he's like they're even right, right now on the floor. He's like. Bam's a center and has the basketball. James Harden is a guard. He's like, watch this play end. And Harden just loafs down the field, uh, down the court. I mean, I, 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 I didn't, I should have today checked out Philly radio because, I mean, you know how passionate those fan, that fan base is and delusional to an extent, but we don't get a that chance. That performance. We don't get a chance to do it <laughs> like where we can show film evidence yeah. of our opinions. If more of the national platforms did that instead of playing favorites or, you know, trying not to identify lack of effort, I think it would start to be eliminated because nobody wants to be embarrassed. Right. And when you actually show the lack of effort, that's embarrassing. Yeah. I think you should do it more. I, I thought it was. It I, was one of my greatest coaching tools when I was coaching. And my thing was the film doesn't lie. Yeah. The truth doesn't have emotions. It's just the truth. If I come to you. As your coach and say you're not giving enough effort, then I give you visual evidence to back it up. You got a decision to make, you know. And I would love for somebody to break down the Brooklyn Nets transition defense versus the Boston Celtics. 
and really identify the lack of effort that that group gave in the first round. Well, Same thing with Philly. Right. And, and I, I don't – so I don't want to be one of the – because there are people in our in our world that just say, well, this player doesn't care or he doesn't try. Like, I, I don't know what they're feeling. I don't know. I can't say that blindly. But I'll say this. I have questions, Sean. If you showed James Harden that and the fact that he shot – he knows he only shot two, ball, two shots in the second half and no points. Mm-hmm. You know what he's getting direct deposited into his bank account next year? I know. $47.3 million. I know, but again. But I I, I yes. don't know. So that I'm not saying. Public embarrassment. Those guys are sensitive, man. They don't like to be embarrassed publicly. They don't. Man. You know, I always believe this, Tim. If you want to change the behavior of a player as, as his coach, make him uncomfortable. One of the ways to really make players uncomfortable is to expose them. And not with words, but with visual reinforcement about what the words are saying. So let me ask you this right now. Knowing what we have know and seen, would you give the Sixers a chance to win the championship next year? No, because I don't think they can add the kind of pieces they need because I don't think people are going to flock to play with James Harden for less money. And that's the position they're in. From a side, because of the Tobias Harris uh, contract, Attached to James Harden, who's going to opt in for almost $50 million, yep. and Joel Embiid, it'd have to be a situation where veteran players who think they can get a chip will be willing to take less money to come and be a part of a championship culture. And I just think when you're watching that, that's not a championship culture. They don't play with championship effort. They don't play with championship energy. They don't have championship body language. So I, I, don't, I don't think... And Philly's stuck because James is definitely going to opt in. Oh, yeah. He said it last night. Absolutely. So they're kind of stuck. How about Joel Embiid last night, too, saying that? Hey, he old. He goes, he goes, <laughs> he's not Houston. He James old. Harden. Yeah, he old. He said he's a playmaker. I'm like, what, is, what does that mean? People don't give Joel Embiid enough credit. That's why I wish he, was, he had won MVP. He's the most honest superstar we have in the NBA. Just think about some of the things that he said in press conferences after losses, wins, whatever. He is so candid. Is Draymond Green a superstar? No. Because <laughs> he's the most honest out there. Yeah, but yeah but, I agree. I, I mean, agree. Draymond is a guy that, that, that's kind of a Swiss Army knife that went to the perfect situation oh, no. for his skill set. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. honesty-wise, I'm not comparing Draymond yeah. Green to uh, – like, There are a lot of teams – By Dray- the way, Golden State, before we hit a break here, Sean, they've, uh, they listen to us because they've shown some life here. Oh, they yeah. lead by two uh, with 10 seconds to go. Once again, proving I should not bet this series because I I need eight runs in the Rockies game. Can I get that? Uh, maybe. Huh? That'd be cool if I oh. did. Both Aaron and I have over Steph Curry points tonight, and he just missed a layup. Steph is off. And I think the halftime line had to be right at four. Oh, we just got to halftime. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, so that layup. The, yeah, oh. so that layup, if you had Golden State, cost you a push. Let's see. As we go to break, first half line. No, it was four and a half. Oh, okay. 53-51. Golden State leading by two. We'll get you a half to- a second half line on the other side. Also, could we have another game seven in the NHL brewing? We'll get the latest on Calgary and Dallas. Stick around. It's the night game. This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Alongside Sean King, I am Tim Murray. Halftime in the Bay Area. And the Golden State Warriors have a two-point lead. Grizzlies do cover the first half. Uh, so the if you had bet like you had talked about last night, you would be one and one right now. Yeah. So you stayed off of not it. Not feeling good about minus uh, eight. I would not be feeling good about minus eight. I don't want to mush anyone. Anyone who followed our good guy, our friend uh, JVT and others. Uh, second half line right now here at Circa. Golden State minus five. One thing to monitor, though, that Steven Adams injury. Yeah. I don't know how that significant That was one of the advantages. Is. Yeah. It was the size. If he's out the rest of this game, I mean, by the way, this right now, the in-game line, and we have it up at DraftKings, it's not that far off pre-flop because it closed at seven and a half. Could have got it as high as nine last night in favor of the Grizzly or in favor of the Warriors. Close seven and a half. You're, you're looking at second half line, four and a half, five. So pretty close uh, to the pre-flop. Um, the total right now is trending slightly under uh, as the first half did go under the total by two and a half points. So Golden State leads 53-51 at the half against Memphis. Right now, you see the spread, Sean. I don't know the severity of Steven Adams' injury. Who wins this game? I have no idea. <laughs> I wouldn't touch it. I I agree. As I as I said, while the Grizzlies were up, I was like, I, I would bet money line. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I probably shouldn't bet this series. I've got a very bad feel on this series. I'm going to, for the sake of people listening, I am going to stay the hell away from this second half. I don't yeah, know I'm not gonna touch what it. to feel. I mean, if you feel a strong way, go with it. But I don't, I don't, I don't have a clue. After watching it, I don't have a clue. Because Memphis doesn't look like they're going to die, but then you always got the threat of Golden State kind of going nuclear. going nuclear, you know, as far as making long threes and such. Let me ask you a question, though. Because mm-hmm. we kind of got a decision to make from a future standpoint. Celtics are in game seven. Yep. I would favor the Celtics to beat the Heat. They're a five-point favorite. Oh, over the Heat, yes. Uh, in the next series. I'm just saying I would favor the Celtics. Not necessarily the odds, just my opinion. I think I think they would be – that's a good question. I would say the Celtics would be a very slight favorite. I would say like minus 120 series price. That would be my guess. Mavs are in game seven. Yeah. If they beat the Suns, I think the Mavs can beat the Warriors or the Grizzlies, especially the Grizzlies minus Ja. And I'm asking that because right now as we sit, you can get Jason Tatum at 10-1 to 1 to be finals MVP, and you can get Luka Doncic 22-1 to 1 to be finals MVP. Is it worth playing the combination of Luka and Tatum and if you get Dallas versus Boston, which didn't seem likely at the beginning of the playoffs, but they're both one win away from, in my opinion, being likely likely to be in the NBA championship. You're much more bullish on, on, on the Mavs than I am. 
Well, I'm just saying, like, if you look at how they played game five at Phoenix the first quarter, they just couldn't sustain it. So I just don't think Phoenix is two, three times better than Dallas. I think Phoenix overall is better, but not by much. So I do give Dallas a chance to win that game. And if they do, then Luka won't be 22-1 to to win finals MVP. If Boston wins... Oh yeah, Tatum Look, won't be ten to one. If Dallas wins on Saturday, on Sunday night, uh, eight o'clock Eastern, five o'clock Pacific, that those that twenty-two to one is cut in half. Right. So yeah, is it worth it? If you if you believe in Dallas, I don't. I mean, I also have futures tickets on the Suns. I history is not on the side. I know they've got other pieces, but history is not really on the side of teams being dragged across the finish line with one guy. The caveat would be the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. Very defensive-oriented team, you know, older Jason Kidd, bottled up LeBron, and then Dirk Nowitzki was, was the guy. So, And Jason Kidd is their coach. Um, so I would say this. If you have a belief that the Mavericks can win on Sunday night, then I think 22-1 to 1 on Luka because nobody else – for the Mavericks, is winning MVP oh, absolutely. in the NBA Finals. Yeah. There's no chance. I mean, Luka has been playing at another level. He's, I mean, you want to throw Jason Tatum in your top five, he's in the top five. Giannis is in the top five. You know, Jokic is in the top five. Embiid is in the top five. So he is, he is incredible right now. And I think the winner of Boston and Milwaukee has a great chance to be NBA champion. I, I think these 100% are the, agree. I think those are the two I th- most well-rounded, tough, physically, physically and mentally I wouldn't count out the Suns. Teams. I mean, the, the, the Celtics have never this they've never been to a championship, though. The Celtics. Yeah, but this seems different. Maybe. And they're not really young. No, I know they look. They went to an Easter Conference Finals. Not from an finals. experience standpoint. They went to an Easter Conference Finals in twenty eighteen. Age wise, they might be young, but like Tatum's been in the league. No, Jalen's been in the league. Horford been in the league. Smart been in the league. The Bucks have won a title. The Suns went to the title last year. Um, I wish I knew how bad Middleton was injured. I think he'll be back for the Eastern Conference Finals because the Bucks win. can't win without him. A title? Yeah. So I have I Milwaukee. To win the NBA Finals and Giannis to win Finals MVP, I think I'm going to hedge by taking Boston and Tatum because I do truly believe in whoever wins this series. I agree with that. I, I do. I'm just guaranteeing a loss, though. That's the only thing that kind of frustrates me. Yeah, but that's the point of hedging. You're also right. Kind of hoping you get a win. True. Um, yeah. I look. I, you're more bullish on Dallas. Obviously, you you've got them to you know win this. Series. I mean, why would not be bullish on a team that has taken the team you think can win it all to seven? I agree. But I've also I I have these past couple of games have made me wane a little bit on Phoenix, and you know Jalen Brunson has stepped up. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie has played pretty well mm-hmm. uh, as these as a side you know role there. So. Um, that's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, certainly a situation the Suns did not want to be in, uh, but they were smoked yesterday, man. Every game, all six, you know, the home team has won all six games uh, in that series in game seven coming up on Saturday night. Uh, excuse me. Sunday night. I Sunday night at eight I keep at five our time. Yeah, five our time, eight east. 
uh, that game. We got a busy weekend. Very busy weekend. Yeah. I'm excited about we it. We got boxing, too. Phoenix is uh, laying six right now. The total has torpedoed. Open 210 is down to 206 and a half here at Circa. That is Dallas and Phoenix on Sunday night. Uh, if you're wondering what the line for Boston and Milwaukee is, Boston is a five-point favorite with a total of 209 tonight. Isn't that the biggest line that we've had in the entire series? I mean, it's almost like they're giving Milwaukee no shot. I think four and a half was the largest up until that. I don't think we've seen I mean, a five. What I would say, what's, you know, what, what's kind of crazy about that number is this is the one series, Milwaukee and Boston, where the road team is four and two straight up. The road team has actually figured out ways to win, right? Game one yeah. went to Milwaukee. Game, game two five. went to Boston. Yeah. Game three went to Milwaukee. Game four went to Boston. Game five in Boston. You know, Milwaukee rips out the hearts of all those Celtic fans. And then tonight, uh, Jason Tatum goes nuclear for 46 points. Giannis was amazing, but no one else stepped up. And uh, 108-95, the final. So, yeah, I mean, the, the odds makers are showing you that they they believe that Boston's going to take care of this game and win this game on uh, on Sunday afternoon. That's oh, going to crush me. I don't know. That's going to crush me. Giannis still exists. At the end of the day, the best player in the world is on the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. And he's playing like it right now. And he's playing. Look, Boston, in recent memory, in these closeout games against LeBron in 2018, LeBron in 2012, I mean, they have had their hearts ripped out. 2022, just the other night, Giannis doing what he did. Well, get the ripping, Milwaukee. Get the ripping. Yeah, we will see. I don't know. No news yet on uh, on Chris Middleton. I got to make a decision on, on Boston to win it all and Tatum for MVP. By the way, uh, current odds to win the East: Heat plus one hundred five, Celtics plus one fifty, Bucks four to one. So I think my series price guess is actually a little off. I think you're going to be laying a price with Boston, probably in the minus one. I said minus one twenty. Even more than that, but we will see. They got to get there first. Second half just about to get going out in the Bay Area with the Warriors leading by two. Second half number is five in favor of the Warriors. It's the nightcap. This is the nightcap on VSN, the sports betting network. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN, and uh, we will get you updated on what's happening in Memphis, Golden State, in just a second. But I got to read. Tell you about the VEASAN Spring Special, 59 bucks. You get everything VEASAN has to offer from now until the end of July. For the next few months, it's going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com. Subscribers will have access to all of it. That includes Adam Burke's daily MLB Best Bets. JVT, Jonathan Von Tobel, his best bets all the way through the NBA Finals, like Memphis plus eight and a half today. We'll see if it comes home. Andy McNeil also breaking down all the action on the ice. Plenty of NFL preseason thoughts, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR. You want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bet email, 
every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, a video live stream whenever you want. Only 59 bucks through July 31st. Beeson.com slash spring. All right, I did it, and I'll apologize to Grizzly fans. I'm in on the Grizzlies to win this game. Plus 170. Okay. I just, I, I like... I feel watching Golden State, their execution. Could we go down in flames when Steph Curry goes red hot? I don't know if he's going red it's hot. Possible. I mean, they're doing a great job of defending the perimeter offense of the Golden State Warriors. By the way, you uh, tweeted at Todd Furman. You spelled his name wrong. Has an H in there. Oh. Furman is he's not. He's he not, knows the intent. He's not like the Paladins. Yeah, he knows the intent. Nothing like peer pressuring our our, <laughs> our guests to follow follow you. Uh, he was got one hundred forty seven thousand followers. Only follows seven hundred people. Uh, Stephen Adams, by the way, I, I failed to mention this. He is back, so uh, he didn't match much action. Uh, Clay Thompson for three, he got it. Clay Thompson hitting though. It's maybe, interesting because maybe I should have uh, waited until Clay Thompson inevitably was going. Memphis hit is starting to miss some shots that they were. Uh, yep. Making in the first half. Your guy, Tyus Jones from Duke, is uh, missing some bunnies. Yeah, I wish he was in uh, Milwaukee. We could trade Grayson Allen. Trade Dukey for Dukey? Yep. Dylan Brooks, though, man. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is hitting tonight. 58 all. Uh, that one under eight minutes to go. I have now, uh, inv- I have now got invested as yeah. Clay Thompson. Clay is hot As tonight. Clay is not And this missing. is old school, vintage, aggressive. And he feels it. I mean, if the door's cracked, the door's wide open. He's got open. seven threes. Yes. Seven. I mean, he, he's he might probably going to need some of his teammates to come with him to ultimately win it. But, I mean, it's just good to see him back being Klay Thompson. Well, he is really, you know, we talked quite a bit about him struggling defensively, struggling to make his shots all throughout the series. But, you know, kind of like what we saw in what was that game – Four of the Philly series when all the hot takes were out there. Hey, Clay hot, right? Clay now. is hot. <laughs> yeah. As I as I have stated, I am the I am the refrigerator apparently on this series. So I have already apologized to Memphis fans. They haven't gone away though. They've been able to. They'll, with, they'll fight back. Yeah, they've been able to withstand these runs. Jaron Jackson. So you, there you yeah, go. like they. How how good has he gotten? I mean, when I saw Jaron Jackson at Michigan State. I didn't envision what he currently is now for Memphis. With that kind of range, I knew he would be great on defense and like a a guy that would play in the league for over a decade just because he kind of was so versatile. But I never thought his range would ultimately get to legitimate three point shooter. You know, it's funny. I, I was uh, I was I went back and looked at the 2018 top five uh, in that draft. It was DeAndre Ayton went one to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley went two to Sacramento. Luca went three to Atlanta. Jaron Jackson went four to Memphis. And then Trey Young went five to Dallas. Obviously, those two were swapped for each other. Thank God for Sacramento. Because if Jaron Jackson was in Sacramento, we wouldn't know who he is. The crazy thing is, and, and I, I mean, it's revisionist history, but I, I felt like, you know, we had that rush of people maybe overdrafting European players. And then... When Luca came out, it almost felt like there was a hesitancy. Like, why was he not number one? Right. <laughs> you know? Well, Imagine I mean, him Aiden, and Aiden, Aiden's legit. He's good. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Luca's I mean, a Aiden, top five player in the league I mean, right now. Aiden's done something Luca hadn't done yet. Let's get to an NBA finals. 
Yeah, he wasn't the best player on that team. I know, but I'm just saying. Luka on that Phoenix team right now with Devin Booker. Does I mean, it maybe, fit? Maybe it doesn't fit. Because Chris it, Paul's got the ball in this hand. That's true. I mean, yeah. maybe they maybe they don't they don't acquire Chris Paul. Um, but yeah, well, they're not a, a finals team with in my opinion, with Booker and and Luca. You think Dallas is a potential finals team with Luca? Yeah, but and, they've built that Jabroni. They've built that team around. Yeah. I think I I, I imagine yeah. they could have figured it out. Monty Williams is a pretty darn good coach. Uh, he is that. The, we haven't uh he's a smart guy too much to know. By the way, I need about nine runs in the Rockies game. I haven't given up hope. Seems doable. Yeah. They have nine. Why not get nine more? Dallas, by the way, trying to force a game seven on Sunday as they lead Calgary three to two under 15 minutes to go in the third period. That one, you need another goal from Calgary, and that one will make it another over. Actually, I think that was five and a half tonight. Yes. Yeah, that was a five and a half. So another goal, you get over. You uh, definitely can't depend on Dallas or empty net. They're not an empty net team. So I want to bring something up, and we're going to talk to Warren Sharp um, next week on Tuesday. And Warren's really good, in my opinion, of breaking down the schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the one who really points out the fact that hey, don't look at the NFL was right was putting out Sean. Oh, you know, this team has the easiest schedule based off of last year's winning percentage. Right. And Warren has been saying for years, like can't do that you have to do it based off of the winning total set in las vegas so one thing that he put out is net rest so when you have a bye week you're plus seven you know when you're playing a thursday then a sunday the next week you're plus three buffalo does not play a team this year sean off a bye so every team that they played this year will have played the week prior for example, Green Bay plays two teams coming off a bye this year. Uh, Tennessee plays two teams coming off a bye. Uh, Pittsburgh plays two teams coming off a bye. I know that you're not a big believer, and I take your word for it much more than me because you played in the league. You don't like looking at a schedule, but when you see that Buffalo in this net rest edge, which Warren Sharp basically puts down schedule of strength opponent uh, difficult of scheduling timing. He said, you know, this is something that he puts into it. They have a net rest edge this year of plus 12. They have a bye week. They have a couple opportunities this year. Remember, they play week one on Thursday night, so they get plus three going into week two. Mm -hmm. They have another Thursday night, plus three again, and then they have a plus one. Do you look at that as beneficial to this Buffalo team, having this type of advantage in their schedule? I guess... Is that a home run? Oh, yes. Okay. Boom. Sparks start fires. 14-10 Rockies. I'm going to live call the Rockies comeback from down 14-9 in the bottom of the eighth. Here's Let me put context on this because I don't want you to misconstrue or misinterpret my disdain for strength of schedule with me not adding the knowledge and information that having the schedule provides. So I think the difficult thing from year to year in the NFL is to gauge strength of schedule because there's so much parity, because teams can be one offseason away from being a have-not to a have or a have to a have-not. Perfect example is Cincinnati Bengals. Most people had the Bengals last in their division. Win total they five and a half. in the Super Bowl after one offseason. So, like, if you were looking at 
a schedule last year. Oh, the Bengals, that's a win. The Bengals, that's a win. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, having played, I know how hard it is to gauge strength of schedule. I do look at scheduling, but I look at it in a little different light. I look at it more from a climate standpoint. If you're Buffalo, your November, December home games, who are they against? Do you get a warm weather team like Tampa that has to go to Buffalo or the Rams that have to go to Buffalo? Distance, I look on the schedule. If you're a team coming off of a Monday night game, do you have to travel cross country on a short week for a Sunday game? Like those are the kind of things when I'm trying to do win totals and, you know, kind of get a feel for how I think the outcome is going to, you know, ultimately end up. I put more emphasis and place more attention into those aspects of the schedule than trying to figure out, okay, Detroit for most of last season was a guaranteed win. Are they still a guaranteed win this year? I just always presume that almost every NFL game, there's going to be about nine, eight or nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's going to be under a double-digit game. Somebody's going to have to make a first down to kind of ice it, or somebody's going to have to make a first down to turn it into a one-score contest. I think the Grizzlies know that I bet them. They're only down three. Since I and bet have them, the ball. they just have been missing bunnies left and right. By the way, let's go Rockies. Big news. Chris Andrews' Twitter account is back, baby. And we're going to talk to Chris next right here on the Nightcap.